Ed, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about price gouging. Would you tell us a little bit about your background and some of the um, price gouging cases you've been involved with? I'd be happy to. My background is as a uh, career prosecutor spent in the state attorney's office, in the United States attorney's office, and then as a special prosecutor for Ken Starr. I uh, served 18 years as a prosecutor at the state and federal and in Washington, D.C., and I joined Carlton Fields in 2000. It wasn't long after that that we were battered by several hurricanes in the hurricane season of 2004 and then again in 2005. Uh, One that everybody may remember is Hurricane Charlie that came up Uh, and entered the state at uh, in or about Punta Gorda, Florida. We thought at the time that it was going to devastate Tampa, and a cold front came down and intersected with Hurricane Charlie and pushed it into the middle of the state, and Charlie uh, went up through the corridor in the middle of the state and wreaked havoc at that time. As a result of uh, all those storms in 04 and 05, these hurricanes, the Florida Attorney General's Office launched numerous price gouging investigations under Florida statute 501-160. And that's where I learned the statute and defended several hotels and uh, suppliers of gasoline and other commodities, as the statute uh, phrases it, in price gouging investigation. What is the definition of price gouging? Price gouging has a specific uh, definition under the uh, Florida statute. And in essence, uh, the definition comes from Florida statute 501 501.160 of the Florida statutes says or states or provides that during a state of emergency, it's unlawful to sell, lease, offer to sell or offer for lease essential commodities, dwelling units or self-storage facilities for an amount that grossly exceeds the average price for that item, that commodity, during the 30 days before the declaration of the state of, of emergency. There's only two exceptions and they rarely apply. And that is unless the seller can justify the price by showing an increase in its prices or national market trends support an increase in the price. Those are the only two exceptions uh, that allow a vendor to raise their prices after a state of emergency has been declared in the state of Florida. There is a phrase, unconscionable price. How does a law define unconscionable? Well, that's the problem. This definition that I just read, uh, which uses the phrase grossly exceeds the average price and the word unconscionable, are really not defined in Florida law very well. And as a result of that lack of definition, it doesn't provide much guidance to gasoline stations, hotels, sellers of other commodities like generators and the like, about how much they can raise their prices, if at all, in anticipation of or during a declared state of emergency. And that's frequently what I see uh, with the people that I represent in these matters. They're frustrated by the lack of definition about what does grossly exceed mean. The only comforting aspect of this is that normally the Florida Attorney General's Office doesn't undertake cases where there may be a 5 or 10 percent increase. They reserve their efforts for gross uh, disparities, 
And uh, although these terms, gross disparity and unconscionable price, are not really defined in the statute, we look for their prosecutions by way of complaints. And these are civil cases. They're not criminal cases. We'll talk about how they start here in a little bit. But if you look at three most recent cases that the Attorney General's Office filed on December 20th of 2016 in response to either Hurricane Hermine or Hurricane Matthew, the price increases in these cases, one in Hillsborough County, one in Pinellas County, and one in Polk County, ranged from 72 to 303% in one case, from 89 to 238% in another, and finally from 143 to 417% in the last case. So 417%, let's translate that. If the room was advertised at $100, a 417% increase would mean that that room was now instead of 100 417 dollars so that's where the florida ag's office is focusing their efforts and so though we have no definition we look to their examples in their cases these are really just three examples of the more than 2700 price gouging complaints that the news media has reported just following hurricanes matthew and hermine tell us a little bit about what happens next what is the anatomy of a price gouging case Okay, so the anatomy of a price gouging case is um, as follows. Uh, the first thing we have is a, the formation of a storm in the Gulf or in the uh, eastern Atlantic, and everybody begins to watch. The National Hurricane Center and including the Office of the Attorney General and, more specifically, uh, Governor Scott's office. Governor Scott, under the Florida Constitution, has the power to enact executive orders. This is also a presidential power at the federal level, but Governor Scott has his own authority as well. And Governor Scott enacted an executive order dealing with both one for tropical storm Hermine that became Hurricane Hermine in uh, August and September of this past year, 2016, as well as Hurricane Matthew. So let's sum up so far. It begins with a storm out in the uh, Atlantic or the Gulf, and then normally the next thing that's done is that storm is followed to see if it's going to develop into something that's serious that might threaten Florida. And if it does, the governor, uh, in consultation with others, signs a executive order. And we'll talk specifics here. In regarding Hurricane Matthew, Governor Scott signed Executive Order 16-230 on October the 3rd, 2016, putting into effect certain prohibitions of law. And um, on page 9 of that executive order, under section 9, the provision of law that went into effect there was that he reminded everybody in this executive order that it's unlawful and a violation of a statute for a person to sell or rent any room at an unconscionable price within the area where the state of emergency is declared because some of these declarations are by county. If the storm goes up the east coast, sometimes the declaration is not for west coast counties or the like, but 
This one, because they couldn't tell where Matthew would go, uh, was, I believe, for the entire state. But now it's not just hotel rooms, though, right? It includes any services that people might need in an emergency? Yes, any commodities, and commodities, essential commodities, actually. Um, These are food, ice, gas, hotels, lumber, plywood for windows, water, generators. Commodities defined under Florida law is, is quite broad. So the next thing in the anatomy of a price gouging case is that the storm comes through and vendors of ice, gas, hotels, food, lumber, water, and the like have to decide, what am I going to do about my price? Normally, when there's a shortage of items, the price goes up because that's how we do it here. That's called, you know, the, the power of the market. If I have only three lemons to sell, they're worth a lot more than if I have 500 to sell. So people, without really knowing or understanding what price gouging is, oftentimes raise their hotel room rates, their prices of generators, other commodities, and the like. The storm passes, and uh, the Florida Office of the Attorney General, Pam Bondi, at the time the executive order goes into effect, normally also activates the Attorney General's price gouging hotline. And that is for the receipt of people to make telephone calls and complaints on the hotline that they may have been price gouged at a hotel or a gas station or some other regard regarding a commodity. That launches the investigation, and that's what you just mentioned, that the news media, newspapers, are reporting that 2,700 complaints were lodged with the Attorney General's office. They have offices throughout the state in response to uh, Hurricane Matthew and Hurricane Hermine. And after that, then, finishing up the anatomy, the Attorney General's office uh, scrutinizes the complaint, see if it on its face holds water, so to speak, and then decides whether or not to issue a a subpoena to the entity or person that uh, raised their prices or price gouged, allegedly. The subpoena normally calls for documents and the like about the prices and how they were set, and et cetera. And then a attorney general's office gets the documents and evaluates them and decides whether or not to bring a complaint, as they did in three instances on December 20th, 2016, that we've talked about. Once they file the complaint, the vendor then has a chance to respond? Yes. Normally, it's quite acceptable and proper to try to avoid a civil complaint being filed against you. And so if the vendor has a lawyer or not, it's often good practice if you have a story to tell about why you raised your prices to tell it because you might be able to avoid a a civil complaint that again again gets reported in the media. I brought uh, with me today the article that appeared in the uh, Tampa Bay Times December 23, 2016, reporting in a headline called Area Hotels Accused of Gouging of these three cases that were filed on December 20th. So it doesn't take long. The cases are filed December 20th at 5.02 p.m. Two days later, there's an article in the media. And um, my analogy is being accused of price gouging is like being a racketeer. No one even likes that name, even though nothing's been proven. Just the allegation of price gouging against people at a time during a storm when people were in need, no one wants that to happen. So oftentimes it's good to go ahead and make a presentation or a case, so to speak, to the attorney general's office to try to avoid a complaint 
but as we saw recently, sometimes that's you know not available. The increases in prices are just so substantial that you can't avoid that. In the majority of cases, how defensible are they? It depends. Sometimes they're very defensible because, you know, like、uh, gasoline price increases、uh, are driven by the wholesale market and the retail market and supply and demand, and、uh, it's very, very complicated how gasoline is priced. Normally, someone doesn't see the state of a declaration of emergency and goes out to the pumps and say, "Add on fifty cents." It's normally driven by a long market chain, and it could be, for example, that a hurricane might have destroyed the fleet that was, or the port where the gas is coming from, and making incapable delivery of other deliveries of gas to the Tampa Bay area, which would cause the price to go up. Nevertheless, it's still good to think about this. You know, we want to do ready, aim, and fire before we raise our prices. If there's a hurricane or big storm in the Gulf or the, at the Atlantic, because we know we're going to attract the attention of the Attorney General's office, and it's just wise to respond to that rather than to react to that, even if there is a shortage in the commodity, because we don't want to attach the scrutiny, we don't want to violate Florida's price gouging statute, and it's good politics to stay out of the news,、uh, like we just talked about. Now you said these weren't criminal cases. Correct. No one goes to jail. These are civil cases. The burden of proof is preponderance of the evidence. That's the old-fashioned blind lady justice、uh, holding the scale and who, what's the proof? You know、uh, that makes this case stronger than fifty point one percent of the evidence. So it, yes, they are civil cases, not criminal. And many people think that whenever the attorney general's office gets involved, they're criminal.、Uh, AG does have、uh, some criminal jurisdiction, but it's not f- not for price gouging cases. So if you're one of these businesses that's received a complaint, what do you do? Well, you're going to get served with your complaint, and they're served just like a regular civil complaint in Florida. And you have a certain time frame to respond to that complaint. Normally, 20 days once you're served, unless you negotiate an extension of time. And so you have to answer the allegations, whether you admit, deny, or have no information or knowledge. And then the case,、uh, it's in the courts, and it proceeds like a regular civil case. Cases can be mediated. The cases can be set for trial.、Uh, m- most of the time, I believe these cases are.、Uh, there's a big effort to try to settle them,、uh, but the、uh, penalties in price gouging are very rigorous, and so there's often concern by people who are named in these complaints. How will I actually resolve this case, given the fact that the penalties are so large? In these complaints, the attorney general sets forth these penalties and. Here it is. I'm going to read from one of the complaints. Pursuant to Florida law, the defendants are subject to a penalty of up to a thousand dollars per violation, with an aggregate total not to exceed twenty-five thousand for any twenty-four hour period. So each instance, if I sold four generators at an unconscionable price, my exposure is one thousand per violation. One thousand, in other words, per generator. If it's a hotel room, it's one thousand per hotel room, up to a twenty-five thousand dollar maximum, and it goes on and on. There are other penalties that we're not 
you know, really uh, elaborating. But so this is a financial incentive to uh, get it right and try to avoid scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Are there tips that you would suggest for businesses who might possibly find themselves in this situation, either proactively before a complaint has a chance to arise, and then what might they do once they get a complaint? Yes, I do have some suggestions, and uh, of course, as you might imagine, my being a lawyer, and uh, for over 30 years now, I was in Albuquerque last year giving a speech, and I went to a great Mexican restaurant, and afterwards I was walking around and I saw a license tag, and it said, Lawyer Up, and you couldn't have better advice here. I wouldn't wait for the vendor or the person or entity to get the complaint. What I would be is proactive, and that is when I see the storm in the Gulf of Mexico or in the Caribbean or the eastern Atlantic, and I know it's coming my way, and I'm a savvy businessman. I I know that Governor Scott has the power and authority to enact uh, declarations of state of emergency or executive orders, as he does. And I would start thinking, in consultation with a knowledgeable price-gouging lawyer, what can I do, if anything? May I raise my prices? Uh, should I raise my prices? And involve that lawyer in that decision-making process so that we could evaluate that. And if we did decide to raise the prices, not to uh, price-gouge, but to take care of demand or to address other issues that I'm, that might be forthcoming, that it's done as a part of a rational, ready, aim, fire, thought process, not just some, geez, I'm getting a lot of phone calls for rooms or gas or generators or what have you, so let me see if I can just double my price and, and hit a grand slam, so to speak, in, in a few days uh, while the storm passes. The other opportunity is to um, get a lawyer involved when, of course, you get a complaint. Uh, But you're going to know you're going to get a complaint because most of these, the complaint is after you get the subpoena. So as soon as you get the subpoena from the Florida Attorney General's Office seeking business records about evidence concerning this price gouging allegation, you should be speaking with a lawyer to find out what do I need to do and how can I defend this? Is it defensible? And what is my response? What types of evidence do people need to provide when they're filing a complaint against a business? When you're filing a complaint, there is a form that you can use on the Attorney General's Office website that lists your name, where you're from, your address, your contact information, and then in, in a nutshell, it's really an informational block for you to type in what happened. And your typical informational block may just be a four or five sentences that said, I went to a gas station and the sign that was posted said 233 a gallon and when I put my credit card in and started pumping gas it was really 333 a gallon same thing for a hotel room it can be an advertisement nearby the hotel that said all rooms $99 and I show up there's only four rooms left and they want $300 for the room or a generator you might see a generator you know power goes out at your house. They can't get in like Matthew. People were out without power for a long time after Hurricane Matthew hit certain parts, I think, of either uh, Georgia or South Carolina. So people will sell generators at twice the price that you can buy them for at Home Depot. Why? Because Home Depot's run out of them. And so people will go and buy up a bunch of generators, double the price, and They're just, uh, in my view, sitting ducks for a price-gouging complaint. Because really, these vendors are playing on the fears of the consumers, right? Some are, correct, yes. Others are legitimately, you know, raising their prices, 
to reflect demand or market conditions or supply and demand. And here's the important thing to remember, but this is where we get into this problem. It's okay to raise your prices. It's not okay to raise your prices to an unconscionable level or to a level that is grossly disparate or different or that grossly exceeds the price that you sold the item at in the 30 days before Governor Scott declares the state of emergency. So it's okay to raise your prices. It might be that, hey, look, the hurricane's coming at my hotel and I'm going to be empty after this hotel leaves. So I got to create a little bit of margin and safety net for myself. So I may raise my hotel prices by $5 or $10. It just can't be unconscionable or price that grossly exceeds what you offered it before. Now, do these price gouging statutes apply only for hurricanes or tropical storms? No, they apply for any time a declaration of emergency goes into effect. So you could have an ice storm, you could have fires, you could have any kind of uh, state of emergency that, as Governor Scott wrote in 16.230, that impacts the state of Florida and, or provides or poses a severe threat to the entire state of Florida and that timely precautions are needed to be taken to protect communities and the general welfare of the state. Do you have any final takeaways for businesses? I do. And um, one of them would be to, um, if you want to avoid a price gouging inquiry from the Attorney General's office, uh, don't raise your prices after a state of emergency is declared. If you want to do so, do so only in consultation with a lawyer and maybe your CFO about how much you can raise your prices to avoid this undefined term, unconscionable price, and undefined term, grossly exceeds so that you don't run afoul of the price gouging law and get a complaint filed against you. The easiest way, no one likes to hear this, is to simply not raise your prices. You're going to avoid scrutiny if you just don't raise your prices to something different than you sold it at for the 30 days before the state of emergency. The um, other suggestions I have is to monitor the governor's office for state of emergencies. You normally know that these are going to be coming when you see a storm or a hurricane in the Gulf or in the eastern Atlantic or the Caribbean. But there's a website, and you can look at the, you can just Google executive orders, and they list them for the past five or six years. So you can take a look and see what one looks like. And um, the other way is to uh, be really nice to your customers when they're showing up in stressful situations, if they're running from a hurricane or looking for lodging or gas or the like, so that you might avoid a complaint. Well, especially, too, in this day and age where social media plays such a huge role in a company's branding and reputation, there are so many opportunities for people to share positive and negative experiences, whether it's through Facebook, Twitter, review sites like Yelp. So I think that's great advice. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today about price gouging. I think you've provided terrific advice for businesses, particularly in the state of Florida, and we'll be prepared for the upcoming hurricane season. Okay, great. Well, the hurricane season for 2017 will start June 1st, and these are all uh, timely pointers, even as you head into that new hurricane season, which uh, is not that far away. Now it'll be here before you know it. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Carlton Fields' podcast series. 
To learn more about this topic, contact attorney Ed Page at carltonfields.com. This podcast is intended for general information and educational purposes only and should not be relied on as if it were advice about a particular fact situation. The distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with Carlton Fields. Thanks for listening.